Hi, I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And I'm Angelica Yard. And we're the heart behind the Heart and Hustle podcast. Every Wednesday, we share a new episode with our listeners on topics that range from business and creativity to leadership and innovation. We also interview some of the best and brightest in the industry and spread our love of entrepreneurship all over the internet with our hashtag, BossSoHard. We're on a mission to help you find balance in your life, creativity in your career, and dollars in your bank account. So sit back, relax, and take notes while we show you how to dream big, work hard, and repeat. Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. If you want to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, we are at Heart and Hustle podcast and Twitter. We are at Heart and Hustle pod or Heart Hustle pod. Sorry. And use the hashtag boss so hard to show us how you are dreaming big and working hard. We love hearing from you guys, what you like, what you dislike. Uh, So definitely keep communicating with us through social media. Also, if you're listening on iTunes or if you're not listening, go download iTunes onto your computer (laughs) and go look us up for Heart and Hustle podcast and leave us a review or a rating. And we love hearing it, you guys. And that's the way so people can find this show, really. It's not, I mean... I'm kind of vain. I do like reviews. We do like reviews. We're not I, I actually lie. more think it's more important for more other people to find yeah. the show and yeah. having women of color because we have a really exciting guest today. I really want people to listen to this episode, like every single human being. So all of them, all of them, all the humans all, in the entire all world, six billion all of them. Plus. All right, I'll figure out how to translate yep. it later. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead and go do that if you're online right now. If you're not, make a note to go home and do it when you get home. So we are at the beginning of march We're in march it's women's history month it is. and it's the weather is like playing like voodoo tricks on us because uh, it's beautiful outside it's gorgeous and but this it is was, so unseasonably like so nice i was for in south florida, florida uh, last week for a little bit and it was really rainy and it was cold and it was weird <laughs> and so like i came up and i knew a cold front was coming in like we had already talked about it and we had you know been aware it was going to be chilly, but it was weird for it to be chilly there. And then I drove up here and it was freezing. It's making it like much easier to like and enjoy like, the outside okay. still. And now it's like super nice. You know, it's like sunny and everything looks really adorable. And there's blooming. I feel like this, the birds are singing. Like it's yes. the beginning of every it's like, like princess movie. It's, yeah, it's so it's magical. Like, it's so it is fantastic right now. So I'm not even complaining. And it's March. Yeah. It's in the first quarter, <laughs> if you're business... Yeah. Taxes are coming up soon, um, so. Good times, good times. So besides amazing weather, what have you been enjoying this past week? This past week, I haven't enjoyed a single thing. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it real. Keeping it real. Um, no, I really did enjoy it. My sister literally just went last week, uh, Friday, and got all her stuff set up for her business and starting that. And so, like, we talked about it for a long time last night on FaceTime, and I'm like, super excited to, so for exciting. her business it's so different from what i do and so i'm just like what is she doing um i can't talk about it okay okay <laughs> i'm put her business in the streets okay. <laughs> but it's super i mean it's not like a super innovative brand new thing but it's like such a different thing and she's taking a different approach and i'm just super excited about because again it's something i don't do at all is I'm it something that you're going to be able to share yeah well listeners? obviously okay, yeah 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 okay. um as it, develops and builds in early early stages but doing all the like important like baby legal stuff and it's so funny we were talking yesterday Dave and I are driving around and we always laugh because we got married in 19 you know I was 19 he was 20 turning 21 in 10 days and so we were like always like we're always like so sure and I'm like we're like my sister and her husband who are way older than we were but it's just like we were little babies. We didn't know what we were doing. Why were we out here Aww. in the world, like, making important decisions and taking people's money? <laughs> like, what were we doing? Well, we knew what we were doing. But Being it's so bosses. funny. 
it's just so funny to be like, wow, look at how old we are. Yeah. <laughs> mm, Speaking so. of old, um, <laughs> Melissa turns 32. I like how so you're like, happy oh, that is so the worst Melissa. way to tell her. Back. I think her like, like tangled things this morning it's okay, on but Twitter. You're younger than her, but I'm older than her, so I can joke like um, that. Nobody's old, but you got like I, the people in my life. Do you life understand that Melissa mentally... is so ready for like naps and chilling anyways? She, uh, like, so it's fine. Like, I don't even understand. Like you guys, we're, 40 we're like a, is the promised land. We're like, like a good, we're like a good group for like excited. 30 because we just really do love like just. I think out, it's very relaxing. funny because everybody I know will be third by the end of next year. Like everybody I know Except immediately in my life will be 30 and I feel like I am straggling yeah. behind because yeah. I lived the life of a 40 year old woman. And so my <laughs> age does not match at all with and the I understand way that because I live. this is the way that I feel with like John's friends because he's seven years older than me. So like yeah. all of them, you know, turned thirty. Like yeah, and they're in their four. You're going into forties and they're, everything. Yeah, well, and a lot of my like, friends are going. Late, they're in their late. They're mid to late thirties. Most yeah. of them now. A lot so, of my like, friends are going into their forties too. Like because I, yeah. I have such older friends, that's why I feel like I'm living the life of a forty year old. Well, it's like when Melissa turned thirty, I was like, oh yay, we're all thirty now. And then I was like, wait a second, I forget that you and David are way younger. No, David will be thirty next year, so he's not way younger. It's it's me who is But by defunct. then, I'll be like 31, oh, and that's a whole nother... There are so many 30-plus-year-olds <laughs> who are rolling their eyes at you right I know. now. I yell I know. at people in my own... I love being 30, But actually. I love people in my life who are, like, you know, in their late 40s and their 50s, and they're like, oh, my hair... Like, I had this whole conversation with this lady that I love and adore. She's like, oh, my hair is thinning. I was like, I want you to get up and go say that to that, like, almost 90-year-old woman right now so she can <laughs> slap you in the face. We will not have ageism in my face. Right. I do not take it. I do not accept it. I do not, like, listen to people complaining about getting older. A lot of things do change, I think, like, you know, when you get into your late 20s, early 30s. But it's not, I don't know, like, it's, it's so far, I've, I've loved it. And again, I'm only, like, two months in, so I'm not, like, an <laughs> I loved expert it for the eight 30s. weeks but, that um, I've been 30. But, yeah, I, I do. I, I think that it's going to be better than my I mean I don't want to say better than my 20s because life in general is is something well, you, that I'm really thankful for but to be fantastic and yeah yeah I mean decade. it's it's I, I think that it's uh it's different and it's good different for sure um but yeah so so we have an amazing episode today I'm that super excited I'm really excited about and I think you guys are going to love it um we just keep having really great guests yeah on. I'm and really I've known her for a while via the internet because that's the way Interwebs. the internet works yeah and um I met her for the first time in real life last year at blog alicious and I fell in love and I she's just talented she has a ton of information um to share with you guys so whether take you notes are I have in them. the same field as her or not in the same field as her yeah. You're if you're a human a being, yeah. then you can learn. You're gonna learn. <laughs> so enjoy. Hello. Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. Do we just speak at the same time? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're on Skype today, so it's always like I don't want to say more challenging. It's just different, you know. Like sometimes we text each other when we're Skyping and like we're interviewing someone else. So it's like, we're both in different rooms and the other person is in a different room. And so we'll like text each other during the interview because we need to like tell each other stuff. But when we're in person, we just tell each other stuff with our face, which is really cool. <laughs> like, and I don't know how we've like learned to do that over time, but it's like, I'll look at you and like, you know, like I need you to like make this segue or like, you'll look at me and it'll be like, keep talking. Cause I'm coughing and I'm going to die. Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, 
as seeing because more podcasts like popular podcasts are doing gifts with Giphy and I'm not changing it I'm not saying gifs or whatever um so I we hate movies which is a crazy podcast it's been around for a while they talk about movie reviews and everything they did like a whole set just now and their faces and everything when they say stuff it's the stuff that you imagine that they would say so I think podcast hosts when they podcast for so long you just have to use your facial you know expressions to get a point across so I really seeing gifts of that and I think um some of the other podcasts that have done sets with Giphy I've been like oh yeah I can imagine you making that face but you guys probably have to make faces all the time because you can't just stop talking while you're recording or whatever. So that's pretty funny. Yeah, one day I would like to record. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to be one of those podcasters that just like does it all the time because I'm like that's not necessary. But just one day so that people like see what we look like when we record. Yeah, I think it's yeah, but not today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So we have listener questions that we're gonna get into. I feel like there's not much to update you with with our lives besides that Florida is still hot and we both work. 24-7, yeah, right? And that's pretty crazy. much what's going on. I mean, like, I had, like, crazy, like, last-minute life stuff that I shift around. So I did end up going to Fearless Con, and I, I've been here. But I'm leaving for New York literally Thursday, and it's really expensive to switch flights and Airbnbs, in case you were wondering. Yeah. Um, it's super fun and super expensive and super... So it was just really high-stress weekend, and um, I ended up... My, my best friend's back in town, so and she's homesick right now because she just came back from where she is from, and so we just kind of went to the beach Sunday to be like, screw life. <laughs> life yeah. is hard. Uh, business is hard, and that's, that's life. I mean, it's good. It's not bad things. Um, I mean, it's, it was a little personal stuff, but, like, business stuff is good. It's When your business is growing, you just have to... Accommodate. Like, I'm in a... I can't be complaining when I'm in a place where I can pay a lot of money to switch flights so you know what I mean <laughs> like you can't yeah, life is hard but yeah exactly yeah. whereas and it just makes me think about uh, it puts me in a position to think about other people who aren't in positions uh, when they need to make last minute changes to life or choices or things like that where how much expensive it is and how that continues to um, just keep our society divided and that's why we have so many problems politically like I wasn't really on social media this weekend I really didn't see anything and then I get on Facebook and I see all this status stuff and I'm like oh my goodness I agree but I don't want to read it right now y'all I just yeah it's heavy <laughs> I will say that I'm lucky when it comes to stuff like Airbnbs and such when it when it comes to being up north because like my whole family lives up north so if I'm literally anywhere on the east coast like I just don't end up paying for an Airbnb I can't even imagine the cost to change that so that because just changing a flight alone is like really bad it's expensive um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I just got off the phone right before we started recording. I got off the phone with Ben and Matt, and they were in Brooklyn, as they are. Um, they were just here for a week, so, like, I'm in a, a pretty good mood because, you know, I got to have them here for a week. Um, and now I'm, like, working overdrive to kind of catch up for the time that I took off. I didn't take off the whole week or anything, but, you know, just obviously I did more park stuff and fun stuff. But anyways, they were just telling me that they are on a rooftop, and it is 50 degrees and beautiful out. So hopefully that's the weather that you get to enjoy this weekend. I'm so ready, you guys. I'm literally keeping the tickets right here to look at, just because I was so stressed this weekend about having to move. And I don't, I hate being the speaker that cancels, because I was the first talk. And so that is a really, like, you know... A ter- bad word thing to do number one for an organizer especially for Melissa who's amazing and I really didn't want to so that was really stressful for me just knowing events and, and having to I'm filling in and at work in Orlando because we got the same thing we had a lot of speakers drop out luckily not last I mean they will 
somebody will drop out the day of. Something you literally never ever yeah. like in all the speeches no. you've done. It's no, one never. Time. And so, I'm, you know. I feel like I'm overcompensating with it now with working for Orlando because they're like, oh, we need, we need. They didn't even ask me. They were like, yo, what's your your talk and your description? And if I before because I I didn't want to do any more talks after. Uh, working up in New York, but now that I, I was such a terrible human being in my head, I'm like, I need to do all the talks to make up for the bad thing I did. I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, I, I will be at WordCamp Orlando speaking on design stuff, and then I think I'm doing the business panel on Sunday. So y'all, life is hard. <laughs> um, it's yeah it's, it's a lot it's, it's a lot, lot. it's I, a lot i just say i'm ready for november because that's when i'm heading up north and i just need to escape this heat and yeah also i know that i promised you that i would ask people out for coffee and it has to be like new people so i'm getting a lot of that done like in new york yay helpful I yeah know. so i've already like reached out to a few people i'm like hey i'm gonna be up north and uh, my friend said I have to ask people out or else she's going to come after me and beat me up. So, yeah. She's not wrong. Have coffee with me. <laughs> There's people that I'm like, you could, I'm like, I have a list now of people who you may like want to go coffee with or amazing people who are up there. Krista's up there. Krista David. So she would be a really good yeah, person. To get, is, she's always up for coffee. She's in Harlem. Too, right? She's yeah. in Harlem. Oh, she's in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Still though. I mean, I'll be in like Manhattan, Brooklyn most of the time. So, um, that sounds like a plan to me. So yeah, it should be fun. I'm, I'm just, I'm excited for both of us to escape this weather. I'm just really <laughs> pleased that we don't have to stay here in the sauna for the whole season. So I, I don't know if fall is coming here. Like I'm just going to assume that it's not. <laughs> it's a mess <laughs> out here. Oh my goodness. So let's get into these listener questions because they're actually really good. And I really wanted to talk about yeah. some of this stuff, which is awesome. All right. So our first question is, how do you stay true to your values and still grow your business? Um, and I think that this is just such an awesome question because I think that it's important to have your values while operating a business. Um, I feel like for me, my business is kind of based around my values, you know? Right. So that's, to me, it's like the growth comes very organically from that because it's like, it's kind of founded on what I already value. I was kind of always in the mindset, like, if I'm going to own a business and go through the struggle of being an entrepreneur, which it's like, it's, it's a challenge, you know, I feel like no matter what stage or level you're in, like it's, it's a challenging career path and not something you should choose lightly. So I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be doing something that I want to do and something that I feel like I can be proud of doing and something that, you know, is in line with my values at all times. So, you know, starting out in entrepreneurship, it's like, I was a photographer and like I only photograph things that I, that aligns with my values. If I'm like being honest, um, you know, I mean, you, you kind of attract the the type of client that is going to share similar values with you and that sort of thing. Um, but eventually like I found myself, I don't want to say like that I don't believe in marriage because I definitely do. And I'm happily married, but like just parts of the wedding industry, I wasn't like weren't lining up with my personal values and that doesn't mean that I don't like weddings. I still love weddings. Um, I actually just shot a wedding last weekend and I have another wedding that I'm shooting in April. Um, so it's not even to say that I never, ever, ever will shoot weddings again. They're just very few and far in between and they're not something I advertise because as like, I don't want to say as a whole, but there are parts of the wedding industry that don't align with my values. And some of those are like kind of talking people into spending tons of money that they don't have um on one day and then like going bankrupt and then two years later like being divorced 
And I know that a lot of people will say like, oh, well, that's an extreme sort of situation. Well, it's really not. I've seen it so many times, lots of my clients, lots of friends' clients, where it's like you see these people go like $20,000 into debt, and then two years later, like they're not even together, you know? So I don't really like some aspects of the industry when it comes to that. And so those weren't really aligning with my values. And so I started kind of like thinking like, what do I want to do next? And what is going to make me happy next? And that led me obviously to working with entrepreneurs and nonprofits and doing like consulting, social media, web design and, and all that. So it's like now owning a creative agency, it's still that same thing where I'm getting to follow my values. I, I mainly work with women and women of color, um, or at least woke people. Everybody that I work with is very woke. Um, and they just have similar values that I, you know, that I do. And they, in their, I think one thing that I can say is a common thread in all the business owners I work with, which they're very different, but they all aim to help people. You know what I mean? So it's like, I work with a gym and then I'll go work with, you know, a baker and then I'll go work with a, like a calligrapher and they're all running very, very different businesses. They all aim to like help people and do well um, and, and just make the world a better place. So it's like, you know, that's, I feel like just if you build your actual business on your personal values and you start with like a, and a very important like why, and I always go back to like, what is your why? So if your why is like your personal values, then your business is going to just grow organically on top of those values. And you, you just continue making them like basically the pillar of your business. Yeah. I think a lot of people, especially people who are just starting out, feel like they have to do things because they have to make money. They're trying to, you know, get capital. And especially if you're not, you know, working on loans or raising capital of your own, then you're, you're like, Oh, I need to get cash. And so I need to do all these things to make as much cash as possible to help float my business. But the reality is that, you know, first of all, that only lasts so long. Um, yeah. you, you get emotionally tired, you get exhausted, you're, you just don't feel good doing the work that you're doing and it just becomes apparent very early on that it's going to make you hate your business. So I, my thought process is when you're starting out a business is yes, you do need capital. Yes, you do need money. Um, but it's important to already have your values outlined so that you know what to do. And there are things that you can do to supplement income that don't require you to not keep your values at the forefront of your business. So as I always tell people, I feel like I say this all the time outside of just going outside is it's okay to do other things to supplement income. You are nobody, no entrepreneur is always like a hundred percent in the green. Um, several businesses that you know of Netflix isn't like, I don't think they've ever been in the green. Um, so <laughs> those types of things uh, go, if you're your own person, especially as a solo entrepreneur, but you're like, Oh, I already told people on Facebook that I'm going to be a photographer. I'm going to be a calligrapher and I'm going full time. I quit my job. It's okay to go get a part-time job and do something else. It's okay to, to drive an Uber. It's okay to deliver groceries. It's okay to do whatever you got to do to keep your values in line. I would not ever recommend sacrificing your values to make more money because at the end of the day, you have to live with that decision. And nine times out of 10, it's work. If your service base is work that you can't even show, you can't showcase. So yeah, you got paid all like this money. And usually guess what? Spoiler alert, it's not a lot of money. So you get paid some money that looks like it's good money. It's okay money, but it's not anything that you can show or put in your portfolio or showcase or show, or share off, show off because you're so ashamed or whatever, because it, you know, goes against what you, your core values are. So I just really think it's important to keep your core values, do what you got to do on the side with your values in mind to help build in cash and flow near along and help pay your bills. Do not go homeless because of entrepreneurship. Like that's just a, like that's a thing that I think people need to say because everybody's like, oh, if you hustle, then they will come. But you have to be intentional and smart. And if you're in an industry that's a little bit oversaturated, you have to be strategic. 
You have to have a good strategy, one. If you don't have a good strategy, you don't know what that is, then you need to learn from somebody. And if you don't have time to learn or you can't afford to learn from somebody, then you have to figure out how to make money to learn from those people who are gonna teach you how to create a strategy for your business and how to succeed in doing so. Because without strategy, you're not gonna make money. So I think a lot of people just open shops. They, they're like, oh, so-and-so selling t-shirts with the word, you know, whatever on it. I can make a whole bunch of money. And, and it's not that easy. There's a strategy behind everything. Everybody makes it seem easy because it's the internet and it's not supposed to seem hard to the customers. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, I'm not supposed to say, you know, building websites is hard or designing brands is hard. And it's not always hard, but that's not my job. My job is to sell to the customers that I'm making it seamless for them. It's not about them. Yeah. to worry about if it's hard or not. So I really just wish people would, A, be, have a good strategy. Think about things, first of all. Keep your values in mind. Keep them forefront of your business. And uh, your business will grow. It will take time. And just know it takes time. It takes time. We've been doing this for, since I've known David, We our anniversary was like 10 days ago. So it's like 12 years. It's not like I don't, I didn't wake up never one day. No, okay. never, 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 ever, ever. It may seem like, it may sound like. somebody on social media that you haven't seen before and it seems like they came out of nowhere does not mean that no, that's No, no. Because guess what? They went to school, they learned how to read. Like they, like your whole life is building you up for that moment. You got to go to a primary school, learn to read and write and all that stuff, arithmetic, all that, you know. So yeah, that's totally just you guys keep your values at the forefront of your business word mm-hmm. all right question number two how important is philanthropy in your business so i one day in my brain i want to be warren buffett so bad <laughs> i don't know what to do um we are very much of all and that's one of our core values is making sure that we are in business for the right reasons and to always be in a place where we can give back and help uh, communities around us grow. That is one of the reasons why we are still very reluctant to leave Orlando. It's not that we can't afford it, it's because we're so ingrained in the community here that it's like, you almost get like guilt. Like I can't leave because it's not gonna go, like it's not gonna sustain. There's so many groups that we're in and we're doing stuff and we're so helpful and we're very much aware of like, we don't wanna leave it hanging dry because a lot of people have. To be honest, especially the tech scene, a lot of people, and that's not bad, it's not a problem, but we feel like we kind of have a little bit of, of responsibility to do come in and do some work. So that's why we have meetups and that's why we do talks and that's why we do that type of thing. Um, but I really, and I actually, uh, I think about this question because it's getting into November and a lot of people I've seen some posts already. It's like, oh, November's coming. What can I do to give back? And it's like, do you only give back during Thanksgiving? What, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, is that the only time? Is that the only time that people give, like, really? Like, I'm kind of disappointed in some of the people I've seen posting because it's like, they're actually like, you have no idea of any charity. Like, um, The Florida Project is a movie that just came out. Um, it was indie film that was filmed about for people who don't live here, very close to where, like, on the same street in which the major highway in which we live, 192. There are hotels up and down 192 that low-income families have lived since those hotels have been open, like, let's be real, like for the past at least 20, 30 years, people have lived in these hotels because they're cheap and, it's un- and that's where people live. And it's because this movie has come out and because I think it premiered at Sundance or it, it was, you know, one of those films, people are very much like, oh my goodness, these people live in the hotels, what can we do? And I'm like, how out of touch are you where you can't like across the street? It's across the street. These hotels are literally across the street where you didn't know. So I just, I'm very... Uh, that's such a flu. I don't know. I didn't experience that in Atlanta. I, didn't, I wasn't in that group of people in Atlanta. I think maybe because of our entrepreneurs. 
and I was, my mom was an entrepreneur in Atlanta, so it was very, very, um, especially for people of color, it's still very much give back to the community 100%. We were very much involved in that way. But I think from a Florida or Central Florida aspect, because of the way the entrepreneur scene works, the way the tech scene works, it's a little bit of thinking about give back, but it's, there's not a lot of conversation about it. So I'm very like, why aren't people more excited about giving up? So for to answer the question, it's super important to us. We are consistently doing things to volunteer, show up, um, give money, spend money, um, back politicians that, you know, we're just always trying to make sure that we're doing things for a greater good. We may not always advertise it because it's not to be advertised. And honestly, I don't have time. I don't have time to, to do anything to, to advertise, but we do try to encourage, number one, the businesses that we work with to always be looking at ways to give back. So if we do a brand strategy, we ask them what are their ways that they're going to be using their business to give back. That's one of the qualifiers in working with us. That's really important. Um, so that's that's something that we always integrate. So that's one major way I feel like. But we, I mean, it's so important. I don't, I don't think I would want a business if I wasn't able to give back to the community or give back to people who are in need in some type of way. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, for me, like the first time that I feel like I really, really, really started um, giving back was when like a few years before marriage equality happened, I was running the equal and forever wedding blog and I started picking on like advertisers and such. And I started giving, um, 40% of like the proceeds from that to the HRC. Um, so that was like, I really loved being able to do that because it was just kind of like, I know like in church, like you learn to like tithe or whatever. Right. And like I don't go to church um so for me it was kind of like this is my way like I do think that like I do believe in like giving 10% back to the community or back to like I like that thought process and so that's kind of like I stopped going to church actually around the time that like like it would have been around that same time so I was like okay like how can I like still give back so um I loved the idea of just having a business where I automatically built in a percentage of my funds to go to charity. Um, so especially if I have a side project, I'm always, I always do that because it's just like, well, this is, this isn't my main business. This is a side project. So by all means, it's like, why not, you know, build that in. And then, um, you know, for every year I do like basically around Christmas, like I end up gifting, um, a session to a family because I understand that like not everybody can afford a session, you know, it's just, it's not something that everyone can do. So I normally just ask people like, Hey, if you know someone in need, like just go ahead and tell them to reach out to me and we can get that done. And then also like things like help portrait, they get lots of like different creatives together, uh, both like photographers and event planners and also like makeup artists and stuff and like do host these like huge photography events. So like all these people that have never had photos of themselves can get like their photos taken, which is awesome. Um, and then something that I'm doing with some 25 creative is just developing a new, uh, like entrepreneur every year, um, and just helping them basically have the full treatment. So doing consulting with them, teaching them how to run their own social media, helping them get set up with a beautiful brand, um, that's going to last them for, you know, years to come, helping them get into a good website and all those sort of things. I thought that I said that like a website is a car. Um, but you know, it's just like, I, I love being able to work with someone every year who otherwise wouldn't have been able to afford to work with me. And because I do have so many great clients, it's like, they make that a possibility really like they make that a possibility more than I do, I think for, um, that person. So, and I normally try to have that person be a woman of color because of like, I've been that person that didn't have the help 
and wish that someone would have done that for me like at the time you know so I just I think it's really important to have uh, philanthropy be a big part of your business and and be a big part of you know what you're about and I think that you know if you look at a lot of the most successful people in the world like they end up doing the same thing if you look at like Oprah and Mark Zuckerberg and you know all of those people it's like they're giving back because at the end of the day like if you have a lot and you're not getting back like what's the point of even having anything yeah I mean like Lil John just built a school in Africa if if Lil John of yeah okay what fame can be a yeah. philanthropist you have no excuse okay. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard Lil John in a long time I saw I mean <laughs> he came up in a video I was watching somebody was saying that they met him at, at something like a function it was an influencer type of thing and they were saying he was so sweet he was talking about how much he loved his wife and everything and I was like that's not surprising from Atlanta you know that about him but I think some people who don't know that um, were very like oh my goodness but I just saw that tweet about him opening the school and I was like if Lil John, you guys if Lil John can I open a school I am 100% going to rock out to Lil John on the way to pick John up later yes he would love pick him up to some Lil John he, that's a pick pick me up like literally it's a Lil John pick me up I told him I was like we should have a child and name him after you and then just call him Lil John and John was like yeah not, that's not happening oh my goodness <laughs> I'm dying all right, number three, what are some efficient ways to keep a steady flow of work in a service-based business? Um, I would definitely have to say word of mouth, uh, consistent marketing, doing the work, and reaching out are all really important um, for keeping a steady flow of work. Um, because if you're not like if you're not marketing or you're you don't already have like it's different again if you already have a business that's built on word of mouth and so you continue to have that in and you continue to impress people that's why it's like continue to do that work. Um, but yeah, having like consistent marketing is going to go a long way. Um, and doing the work and making sure that every client that leaves you leaves you happy and satisfied so that they're turning around and possibly getting you another client by speaking you know, positively about your experience and then reaching out. And also like, I think a lot of people like who are service-based will talk to somebody and then that person is like, oh, well, like I don't need you at the moment or I'm not gonna answer an email or whatever. Um, but then if you reach out to them in a month or two months or even three months, like you might find that that same person is actually ready to work with you. So just because somebody doesn't wanna work with you at the moment and like, a lot of times when people hear like, oh, like not like not right now, I don't have the money, they just assume that they're being like turned down completely. Right. But I'm like, if somebody doesn't want to work with you, they'll normally tell you like, no, like no thanks, or I'm going with someone else or whatever. So if they're telling you like they don't have the money, they probably don't. So give them the time to like come up with the money and then work with them in the future. Because I feel like people leave sales on the table when it comes to that. It's so true. Yeah, I don't think people understand the language um, and dealing with clients and understanding different types of rejection and levels and what those mean. And I mean, honestly, I always try to follow up with people, especially when they're like, oh, it's too expensive just to be like, oh, what can I do? Blah, blah. Or can I refer you to somebody else? Because yeah. I may be too expensive, but a lot of my friends don't charge as much as I do. So I can find someone that I know that's reliable to help you versus you wasting your money and trying to go to Fiverr or something. Um, more ridiculous so that's what I try to do um so people this is such a uh math means things so this is really what people think about oh I don't have any clients I don't have any work so I'm very afraid I can't pay my bills and the reality is you haven't done the math up front to figure out how many clients you need how many billable hours you need to be uh, employing every week or every year and how did that how does that work with your schedule and that's something that you should do 
once a quarter, once a week, once a month, depending on how your business is, if it's brand new, how it's moving. Um, so you should really understand how much, how many billable hours you should make to make enough money that you are fine versus having inquiries. Because I think a lot of times we think about, oh, we have all these clients that are reaching out to us, these people that are reaching out to us, and it's awesome. But then it's like, how? hey, what's your close rate? So what's the percentage yeah. on that? Um, you know, what's the level of the, the client? Is it a high quality client? Are you getting a whole bunch of influx of clients, but then they're low quality clients? So you have to do all, like, I think the business is so much of strategy and math that people don't think about it. They just think about, oh, my friend says she has 50 clients. How does she have 50 clients? The reason why we can have a little bit higher number of clients, number one, we're two people and we have the resources that are at, easily at hand to implore other pe- employ other people to help us with our business. So we don't always have to do it ourselves. So that's why we can take on, you know, anywhere from seven to 12 to 20 projects at a time because it's not just us working on it versus my, you know, one person friends, they can't have that many clients it's out of control and they don't want that many. Um, yeah. to, I just think people sometimes think about like hearing numbers of like, you have this many clients, how, or blah, blah, blah. And it's not about that. It's about the quality of the client, the amount that you're making in the billable hours that you have. And I think a lot of people think that they work 40 billable hours or 60 billable hours, 70 billable hours as an entrepreneur, but the reality is you don't. You may, you probably work anywhere from four to six billable hours a day. And six is like really like pushing it, grinding it hard, really. Um, or, well, that is 100% true and that is something people can not yeah. talk about. That is so damn true. Yeah, so how do you keep a, enough work where you're having enough billable hours that you can make enough to pay your bills or have your your the money that you need to make to, to stay in the green and not in the red. That's what you should think about. So what some ways to do that, A, is already do this math beforehand. The reason why I'm talking about that, because that's why people are like, I don't know what I'm doing. Already do this math beforehand so you can always have a target in mind. So when you're going out and marketing or networking that you're strategic and you're not wasting money and time. Because you're just wasting time to get people in your inbox. It's wasting, that's that's those billable hours that you're taking from yourself when you're qualifying leads that don't go anywhere. So you're taking these discovery calls and you're talking to 20, 30 people a week and only two of them sign on. So you've just spent, depending on how much your discovery calls are, uh, like add up the math. So if you're charging $75 an hour and you did five half or five to 10 half hour, you know, or an hour long, depending discovery calls and only two people sign with you, just the math on that, how much money you just lost is incredible. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think people really... um. Think about it. So already do your math. That's my number one. Uh, be strategic on the lead. So already know your ideal client. Already do that work up front. If you have not done that work before, stop what you're doing right now. Take a whole day. Take a whole day of billable hours. I'm not kidding. And do that work right now so you can stop wasting your time and your money. Because you're losing Amen. money by talking to people who aren't going to give you any money. Just an FYI. And you know that. You know those people. You know, even if you're brand new, if somebody's pausing, if they're umming, if they're they're trying to talk down your rates, that's not a client for you. Not right now. Especially um, when they come out the gate asking about, like, a different price. Right, right. Then my answer usually is like, well, I, can I refer someone else? So like, I'm not going to have a whole hour-long conversation with you. For what? For what? Yeah, Why? They, they already know they cannot afford you. Like, if you already have let them know a range of your prices and and they cannot afford you then it doesn't make sense to do a full like 30 minute to an hour call like yeah refer them to someone who can do what they need them to do yeah be visible and when i say that i mean be visible in the target market and the target audience you are facebook groups spoiler alert are not your target audience and i wish people would stop 
stop. <laughs> because I see a lot of people marketing in Facebook groups all day long and it drives me bananas because it's not your target market, dude. This is just like 20, 30,000 people. And you may hit a rock every now and again, but the reality is that's not where you should be spending the majority of your time marketing. You should be in your local network. If you, you, know, you need to take local clients, that's just the reality of the situation. Nobody can be an online based business for so long and then it's gonna dry up. The well will dry up because there's someone else that's gonna come out that's gonna be better than you, that has a bigger presence, that has more money backing them and they're gonna take your clients. So always, I think, always have a little bit. You don't have to have a huge, local presence but just a small amount so that people know who you are so that locally they can say hey you know what I met this cool girl at that meetup and she does this thing why don't I reach out to her you could reach out to her here's her card that's a something just be present in the market that it matters and um just be consistent in the level of quality of work you're doing that's probably the third biggest thing if you do really good calligraphy do really good calligraphy for every one of your clients even if it's a small job that costs $300 or if it's a larger job that costs $15,000. Just always keep the same quality of work because that's how people will continue to hire you because you are the best to that person that gave you $300 and you are the best to the person that gave you $15,000. So that's like my like really long-winded answer to that question because I'm tired of being asked it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that covers it. I think that's awesome. I think I'm going to uh, refer everybody back to this episode. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like oh, like these are all three of these are kind of like questions we get a lot. So all the time, we got all three of them done in one episode. We have a great interview for y'all today. She's cute. Um, so stay tuned for that, and um, definitely keep uh, reaching out to us on social media using the hashtag Box So Hard, reviewing us on whatever Apple Podcast. <laughs> whatever it calls itself nowadays. I'm just always going to call it like iTunes podcast or whatever, but you, you know what I'm talking about. Go review us. Help us out. Help us this out. That's your philanthropy deed for the day. Support pod. That's your, that's your goal. It's all this podcast that you listen to. I'm in, I'm telling you right now, your challenge is to write a review and a rating for anybody who has given you free advice. So if it's a podcast, if it is a video thing that's your job this week thanks unless unless you don't like us or you don't like the other people they don't do. they don't okay, that's fine <laughs> sending an email yeah on how we can improve or how those other people can improve to let us know because i mean we, we we love like feedback and would love to know there's levels um, I'm sure that if, if you're saying it in a nice way then i'm sure that whoever else has a podcast or whatever i'm sure that they would like to know as well there are levels there you go. You got jobs. So you guys have a great Dude. week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enjoy. All right. Bye. We're so excited that you're here to talk with us today and you are in the great city of Atlanta. <laughs> um, but for those of us who don't know exactly what you do, who you are and what your business is, could you give us a little background information and what you do? Sure. Um, thank you guys so much for having me. It really is a pleasure. I love you both. Um, but I am Amber D. I am a life and business strategist. Um, and actually been doing a lot more marketing um, lately because I, I see that with my clients, um, that has been more of a struggle. Um, so I help um, individuals who want to start a business online, um, whatever that is, like if they, they have a product they want to sell or they have a skill that they can share, um, 
go through that process of setting up everything and then uh, coming up with a strategy to market that to their audience. That's awesome. Um, so I don't even, like, I feel like as a human being, <laughs> um, some people don't even understand some of the things that a, a life strategist does or I'm mean, just like explain to just a, a general broad because we're going to talk about it in depth but I really want to get a broad understanding of what a life strategist does before we move in into the like the in-depth definition of your day-to-day and everything yeah I think uh so how it came up with the title of a life strategist is because first of all life coaching is just overly used um <laughs> but um I have a my license as a um, professional counselor so um I take that uh, that aspect of kind of like business and counseling and put it together. Like as a counselor, we can kind of sit and talk about your feelings for months, right? right. And talking about maybe like why do you feel like that or what happened in your past to kind of make you have that behavior. But as a strategist, you know, we more so get into kind of what is it your what your goal is, and we'll briefly talk about your behaviors and how we can shape, you know, modify those to um, get what it is that you want. So my goal is, as, a, as not like a counselor, my goal as a strategist is to, for you to tell me what it is that you want and for us to create a plan based off of that. And I follow up with you. I'm like your accountability partner. And we talk about different things that you can be doing to get you close to that goal. If that makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I love that um, explanation of it because, yeah, I do feel like it's one of those terms that, you know, you're not 100% sure, so that definitely clarifies thing up, things up. And I know just right before we started recording, we were kind of talking about, like, where we were from and where we live now and how hot it is in Florida. Um, so I want to know, like, you, you grew up in a small town, and that's very different from, like, my upbringing in Angelica. So I want to know, how did growing up in a small town shape your identity? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, that's it's, it's it's crazy. Um, so I grew up in a small town in Georgia, um, and uh, it was, and it still is, actually, my mother and my grandmother, and I have one aunt that lives there, and then everybody else lives in Atlanta. But um, so I have no idea why, they, why they're still there. Anywho, um, it's, it's like so black and white there, like literally black <laughs> and white. Um, like, I, I mean, like, even the graveyard there, African American, the blacks are buried on one side, and then the white people are buried on the right. other. Wow. I mean, yeah, like literally, right? So as I was growing up, I knew that. Um, but I guess as a millennial, I didn't. I guess even really like put it together, like oh, that really affects me. Until I went to high school, and um, I was taking this um, co-op class, is what they called it back then I have no idea what they're calling it now and it was where you can go and work like you can go to school for like a day of like a class or two and then you're, you leave to go work and so my teacher at the time a Caucasian lady she told us in class um okay none of the black girls don't apply for any like the doctor's office or any of the dentist um places because uh they've already told me they don't want um your face to be the first one they see when their uh the, their customers or their patients come in, and I was like, <laughs> "What the hell? Like this is two thousand and something, right? Like, can she legally say that to us? Like, is that is right. that okay?" And 
I guess that's kind of when I was really slapped in the face with, yeah, this is kind of where you live. And um, I think that shaped my identity because I never was aware of my disadvantage of being um, uh, a black girl in a small town, I guess, living in my la-la land or wherever. And, uh, you know, it was never an issue in my home and no one ever really, like, really, really talked about it. I mean, my, I heard my grandmother talk about it, my grandfather, but I'm like, yeah, that's kind of like the old days, like, whatever. It's not really affecting me. But as I got older um, and then uh, went to get my master's degree as a counselor, I started identifying how, like, some of the things that I've done or some of the things that I've thought was shaped by just that one particular uh, event because it made me look at, start looking at the world differently. Right. Yeah, and I think, like, it was, like, more so, like, in my subconscious than, like, you know, consciously making decisions. And I think, like, when I went to college, I had a dual degree in psychology and sociology, and then I went back for my master's degree. And so, like, sitting back analyzing it, like, is that why I felt like I had to do more than my white counterpart, you know, like, right. you know, all these degrees, you know, like, I have to do extra because if not, they won't, you know, accept me or whatever. Um, but I, it wasn't until I got into my master's of program that I even, I did, I realized that, you know? Yeah, I think, um, because of my family originally, and I'm, I don't, like, if you want to tell me where you're from, I don't I don't want to pull your small town out there in the streets. But I, because my family originally is from, obviously, like, those little bitty middle Georgia towns as well, like, all over. Um, so anything south of Macon, but before Faldosta, there's a family member that's from those places that you don't stop when you're driving from Florida to Georgia. <laughs> and so, oh, go ahead. No, I was laughing. That's yeah. exactly where I'm from. Yeah, so any of those little those little places, um, you know, so you get like you stop on like the Perry exit because there's Walmart on Perry exit, and then you don't go anywhere else. Um, <laughs> so being having family from there, you know, always having to go back during a family reunion or mostly when someone dies, because that's generally what happens. Someone dies and you go back down and you're like, you know, as a kid, because I grew up in Atlanta and I know so much of my identity, I definitely was so, you know, we would always make fun of it. We'd be like, oh my goodness, how do you guys live? And we, you know, it's the country. So why do you live in the country? Why do you go to the country? Blah, blah, blah. Make fun of it. But, you know, as an adult or as I got older, really understanding one, that I still have, a lot of people still live there, one, who are millennials, who are my age, and what they have to deal with every day because the racial tension is still so high and people don't understand that and they don't, they don't get it because they're so far and we're so preached to this post-racial society. But it's like, no, these people live this every day of, you stay on this side of the tracks, you go to this store because it's owned by a, you know, a black person, you don't go to that store because it's owned by a white doctor or that whatever the situation is. And so that, that really does, I mean, hearing your story, it doesn't surprise me because that is how my, my mom thinks and that's how my family thinks because they had to live that growing up. But seeing it from a perspective of somebody who is, you know, my age as well. And I remember, I think one of the things that my, my aunt was like, you should go to school. I forgot. Oh my goodness. What school? One of the schools that's down there. Is, and I was like, girl, no, I'm like, I'm not going <laughs> to school there. Like, um, it wasn't Georgia. It was, uh, da, da, da. no, I have a lot of friends that went to Georgia Southern a lot. And I could not, I was like, I can't, I have a lot of friends who went to, um, ABAC, 
uh i just have a lot of friends who because from atlanta it was easy to st- like you're getting away from atlanta by going to to college in you know south georgia or middle georgia and to me that was like backwards um i can't do it <laughs> but and because my gpa was so high it would have been you know I, easy no money no cost hardly i could skate through in three years honestly um that's why they were really pushing it but i just couldn't i was like i'm such a city person and in my mind i'm like i can't identify with going somewhere but there's no target, like, <laughs> like such first world problem, first world perspective. And I think that really did that. My perspective in my growing up, if I had gone to college in those areas, I think it would have helped change me a little bit. And I would have been, I don't know if I would have been more aggressive in terms of, and I feel like I'm, I'm pretty aggressive in terms of equality issues and, and stuff like that. You're an aggressive person, <laughs> so I don't really think that we need you to be more aggressive. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Right. I don't, I'm like, do I, or would I been more repressed because I would have, you know, personally experienced more, you know, face-to-face racism. Would it repress, repress me more that I would have been afraid to speak out and be as vocal as I am? So I'm very, thank you for sharing this, you know, process and this story with us because I really kind of jolted my brain a little bit to be like, you know, and I, I want everybody to understand that not everyone, there's no, we don't live in post-racial America, FYI, just, just. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. And, and like I said, when I was, when she said that, and I'm looking at my friends like, Really, no one, no one else has a problem with her. Right, exactly. right. I want to like storm out of this school right now. No, and like no one said anything. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, okay, I guess I should shut up because I'm the only one having an issue with. But I mean, I immediately went home and told my mom, and I was like, can you believe she said that? And my mom's like, yeah. You know, that's kind of <laughs> and I'm like, that's exactly why I'm not staying here. As soon as I graduated, like I was out. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> you know, like. I'm Oh my goodness. So because we have these things that happen to us that shake us and that's a lot of bit, a little bit of the conversation right now politically and in the news and um, I really wanted to because I, this is the type of person that I am in certain things. I know not everyone can it can be this way. There are some things that you just cannot change. But for some things, uh, you can take responsibility over your actions, at least in your in your life and what you do. So why is it important for people to do that? Why is it important to kind of take charge and kind of write your own narrative? I I, I agree, um, hundred ten percent, right? And I think this came along more so as being a counselor and going through my master's program, um, even understanding like the psyche. But um, I think a lot of times it's easy. It's easier to point to external factors, right? Like I didn't I didn't go work out today because it's cold or I didn't go work out today outside because it's hot outside. Why would I go work out? You know, and like how actually what you're doing is not being helpful to yourself. And you're right. There's a lot of things that aren't in our control, but the things that we are in control of, it is important for you to, to have your own narrative and take responsibility for it. Okay, so yeah, it, it sucks that I kind of grew up in that small town, but how am I going to allow that to shape me going forward in my future? Am I going to be an advocate for young girls that are in smaller communities or just an advocate for African-American women? Like, how am I going to allow that to shape me and that to you know, kind of help along along the lines of what I want to do, kind of what my purpose is in life, too. I think that a lot of that ties back in. What What is your purpose? And I believe that your experience, um, again, shape you, and then how can you teach others, or how can you be uh, a vehicle for change? Yeah, I completely agree, and I think that, you know, I've been trying to focus a lot about, like, 
just with everything going on in the political climate, like what can I change? What can I not change? Where should my effort be spent? And I think it's also important for people to realize that you have more of a voice and an influence than you probably think that you do. And even if there's a problem that seems really big, like it's important to remember, like maybe you can't change the entire problem by yourself, but you can still take action that will help create change um, if a whole bunch of other people are also taking that same action. Exactly, because even if you can help one or two, and I just had this conversation with a, um, another group of, of people, and one of the guys was saying that he doesn't feel like it would change anytime soon, but me and the other lady was saying, even if, you know, it's like a ripple effect, you know, throwing that pebble into the water and the and the ripples, you know, they continue on. Even if you can help one or two or a group of people, that, you know, can help other people because they can go on and tell whatever that is, you know, whatever it is, whatever your message is. Yeah, I think all it takes is like one person to make such a massive change of a chain of events. I mean, if you look at it in the sense of like, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, maybe one, just like one white cop is like moved by it and actually understands like what's going on and the destruction that's happening in our police force. And then to like when is in a situation that many of these cops have been in, chooses to not murder someone in the streets and then we have somebody who would have been killed and is now alive like it's that literally change and that changes that's a ripple effect that affects thousands and thousands of people you know absolutely so what are some ways that you can stop looking at your disadvantages as negative um th that's a good question i think uh so for me in in using that as myself and that's kind of what I teach everybody um and it's so interesting how I got along like this business aspect especially being a counselor um but I guess if I started my own practice though that's kind of how I got started anywho here nor there um I always talk about how can you make your perceived disadvantage as your use that as your advantage so <clears throat> excuse me like you can we all have things that we might be insecure about right uh, or what we perceive as a disadvantage, especially with social media. Um, you have that uh, comparing, when, you, when you're comparing yourself to them, like, oh, I don't have the best job, or I don't have a um, husband, or I'm single, or I'm female, and that's why I'm going through what I'm going through, or because I'm black, I'm going through this, that's why I'm going through this, or whatever, and it may be a perceived disadvantage. Um, but how do you use that to your advantage, right? Especially, I teach that all the time when, I, when we're talking about marketing. Um, so whether it's marketing your business or marketing yourself, how can you use that perceived disadvantage to your advantage? Like, I see one of um, this girl on social media, I think her name is like Pink Barbie or something. And one of her eyes kind of go one way. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. You know, like, she's a great example of it. Like, I'm not, she could look at you say that, like, this is a disadvantage to me. I don't have the typical eyes of someone else. But instead, she used that to her advantage. She loved doing makeup. And it was a great marketing tactic because now you have the people's attention. And she's using that to her advantage. Same thing, like, they had that new show on um, The Good Doctor. Yes. Ah, oh, so good. I love that show. He's autistic, but that's his advantage because he is autistic. He sees things that, you know, the typically developing human uh, doesn't see. So I always talk about it. How can you use your perceived disadvantage? Because, and I say perceived. Perceived. Uh, it's, it's because it's the things that we tell ourselves, really, right? 
um, because somebody else was um, probably not even see it as an issue. So the way, how you perceive yourself as a disadvantage, how can you flip that and use that to your advantage? Um, and so I always go out and talk about that um, because really you can use it to your advantage with your career, with your business, um, kind of wherever it is in your life, you can use that to, to kind of catapult yourself to where you want to be. Yeah, I love that so much. Just because especially, um, first of all, the word perceived, <coughs> excuse me, disadvantage means so much because I think not only we may perceive it on ourselves, but others may perceive it as a disadvantage and it may not be a disadvantage for us. So, you know, the outside world may think of autism as being a disadvantage, but a person, depending on their, you know, their autism in themselves, and they have made declared, like, this is not a disadvantage for me. This is something that's actually helping me move forward in a career that's more detail oriented or depending on what, you know, type of autism they have, that's an advantage for them. But somebody else is like, oh, this is a disadvantage. And I think of in terms of the good doctor, everyone's so much of like, oh, this is a disadvantage and Sean can't do this. Dr. Murphy can't do that. And he's very much like, the character is like, no, like he's always, nobody can see inside of his mind. He's so detail oriented that he remembers these really intense like uh, diagrams of the human body. And he's able to pick the, you know, something that's happening or find the symptoms and figure out and how to make a, you know, oh, I'm thinking of medical words. Like, a, a, <laughs> I'm like, what is the word? Whatever, Dr. House. It makes me think of Dr. House, but in a way that like, he's not an alcoholic and he's not a jerk. So uh <laughs> Those types of things, you know, so I really appreciate that one that you said perceived because I do think it's either external, internal perception of what a disadvantage is. Exactly. And I even read like a report one time, I think it's been like a couple years ago, but like Microsoft like hires individuals who have um, autism because of their, um, their attention to detail. Right. So like they like even have like, like, so that's not a disadvantage, right? Like, right. <laughs> We, they are actually looking for individuals who have autism because of that 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 trait, that quality that they have. Um, so again, like you said, it's, it's things that we perceive that you know, or others perceive maybe as a disadvantage, but it's really not. Yeah. Oh, diagnosis was the word I was looking for. Thank you. Brain. <laughs> this is like my my perceived disadvantage is that I'm like a visual like memory. And so when I need words, I'm like only if I can't see the word, I can't think of the word. So I so if, this, if you've listened to this podcast this far, you should know by now that I forget words all the time. Um, so we talked about not a doctor. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm a doctor of websites, not of people. Um, <laughs> So we talked about some of the things that a life strategist does, but um, feel free to go into details and then tell us what why anyone would benefit from hiring one. Because I think um, I think it was interesting that you said as a counselor you were doing this anyway, so you switched it a little bit to, to the title of life strategist, and it's still you know counseling but more intensive as purpose, finding a purpose and sticking to it and creating that strategy. So um, I would love to hear more about why someone should hire someone like you to work with them. And like when to know when it's time to hire. Yeah. When, it, when is your life a mess? Get into it. <laughs> um, so I, I, the reason, reason that I even started doing like the business aspect um, of it is because I started my business. And so um, people were coming to me, other counselors that had just graduated, like, hey, 
what do I need to do to get started? Like, how do I start my practice? You know, where do I go get my business license from? Blah, 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 blah. So I kind of fell into like doing the business strategy thing. And then as my clients are coming in, um, I have more millennial clients because, you know, as research shows, more people are um, attracted to those that look like them mm-hmm. um, or have some of the same characteristics. So I'm attracting more millennials and when you're in your counseling course, um, they teach you not to like give answers, right? So if you ever go to a counselor, a counselor's not going to tell you what to do. They're going to guide you through kind of some of your thoughts and lead you to your own um, kind of self-discovery of whatever that answer is that fits you. Because what I think uh, you should do may not be the right thing, but you should lead yourself, you know, to that answer. So, but as millennials, I know I noticed that. They're like, look, I don't have time to be sitting here for 50 sessions. What do I need to do? Okay, help me. So, <laughs> so like as a life strategist, um, um, I we talk about that kind of where they are, and we don't like ignore the the aspect of some of the the behaviors that you have, right? So some of those behaviors that are giving you things that uh, you don't want out of your life that's kind of keeping you stuck. So if you're saying like, oh, I don't have time, like identifying things like, I don't have time to start a side business, or I don't have time to work out, or I don't have time, whatever that is, right? But then we'll list out your activities of the day. You had an hour to watch hip hop, or you had an hour to watch hip hop rise of Atlanta. So talking about that, right? Like, what are our priorities? Right. And, and you know. <laughs> You using that language of you don't have time just really means that you don't want to and kind of identifying what it is that you really want um, and then setting a plan to go there. So if it's, you know, uh, you want to get a house, um, okay, so instead of, you know, and it can be the smallest thing, but maybe you need to pay off a credit card bill. Um, and so instead of going to Starbucks, spend $50 a month, that's $50 extra wins that you know, feel. So different things like that in life, like actually holding you accountable and things that you, like we don't even realize, and I'm just of it too, that we do that kind of holds ourselves um, in that same place. And if you're like, oh, I don't understand why I'm stuck here, but your behavior just basically um, reinforces it, right? You just continue to do those things that keep you stuck there. Um, so as a life strategist, basically, I try to help you get out of being stuck and how can we move on um, to whatever that goal is. Yeah, I feel like that's so true. It's like half the time it's just because people are not being like accountable and responsible for what it is they need to be doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're myself, so. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. <laughs> uh, and sometimes people don't understand that having someone to kind of guide them and show them best practices can make all the difference. So I feel like if someone's finding that they're continuing to struggle with those same things over and over again, like really hiring a professional that knows how to kind of like whip your life into shape, so to speak, can really make all the difference. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I think. I don't know. I don't know where where that comes from, but you know how you think like I can do this by myself, right? When it comes to your finances, yeah. Or you think it's too? Yeah, like when you feel like you know I got this, I can do this by myself, whatever. But why would you do it by yourself and continue to make error when you can go to someone that can help you, whatever that is, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, it, I think it, first of all, saves time. 
which a time is the most valuable asset that we have. So if it's making a website or doing photography, instead of it taking you six months to a year, just hire someone that will help you kind of get along a lot quicker um, to kind of where you want to be. And I think sometimes people look at that like, oh, I, I don't need that. But I think it's just the point of getting help. A lot of people don't want to ask for help or look like they need help, right? Yeah. I completely agree. So speaking about like, you know, personal growth, what are some of the things our listeners can be doing today to help manage their personal growth? Um, I, I always, and I still do this myself, but um, for my personal growth, like I'm always taking classes, whether it's online or um, in person. Um, I, I'm always taking classes, especially in an area, now that I'm getting older, like things that I never thought that I would really need help with, like um, like speaking engagements, right? Like even though I still go and speak, it's still something that I can work on and try to be better at. So like actually getting out and taking like going to like a Toastmaster class or a meetup group to actually um, get some of those uh, skills, learn some of those things. So I think all those things help with personal growth. Um, also just kind of even recognizing in yourself where what are some areas um, of growth that you possibly would need or you feel like you're lacking and actually being intentional about going to do those things um, even though they're scary right before you some people are like uh, oh, I remember before I got when I was in college they would have me come up and you know I have to speak or to present my project and I'm afraid I'm shaking in my boots right and I'm like oh my god please I don't want to go but now that I'm older I'm like oh yeah let, let me do that now I, I want to grow and I want to be better because I don't want to be the same person that I was last year or last month you know I want to continue to grow and I it won't happen if I don't, if I'm not intentional about it so I think like I said especially everything being digital being online um taking classes Udemy they have like classes for ten dollars um <laughs> that you can take like I'm there all the time uh, trying to learn something new um whether it's personally or with my business or getting out and just actually meeting people I mean meeting people I think social media or just being digital has like hindered us from that because meeting people can help your life personal growth professional growth like all of that so getting out of the house is really important honestly look at you I say this every episode go outside go outside <laughs> people your catchphrase. it literally <laughs> is it, I might put it on my new business cards that I'm doing go outside because I agree I like like listener questions we get you start out with like uh first of all go outside <laughs> <laughs> if it's a great world out there you'd be surprised at all the stuff that you can find and learn by going outdoors i'm telling you so <laughs> right. go outside yes oh my goodness i hey i'm gonna like i'm not gonna say it anymore i'm just gonna quote amber next time somebody asks a question where my answers go outside um so talk right, per amber per amber <laughs> per, amber, amber. per amber angelica can you make me a go outside print because i think i need that and i think we need one for our listeners too i'm just gonna throw it out there go outside so, oh, I like it. I'll put it in my office so I remember. So that way, like, if I ever have a problem, instead of contacting you first, it'll be like the teacher when the teacher's like, ask three before me. I'll be like, let me look at Angelica's print and go outside. Okay, let me solve my problem. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, so on top of being like amazing person with a master's degree, because I don't know what that means. I don't have that. Um, and then having a business and all this amazing stuff. You've also written a book, which is my favorite title of a book yes. in a very long time. Girl, get it together. Amen. <laughs> Talk to us about your book. What is that process like and, and what's in your book? Yeah, um, we ca- I came up with that name because that that's what me and my friend tell each other all the time. Like she'll we'll call each other there and like bend about whatever. I'm like, oh girl, you need to get it together. Yes, I need to get it together. So I'm like, you know what? I like this title. <laughs> I'm going with it. <laughs> so basically, in the book, it talks about it really just mimics what I do. Um, it's just in written format. So kind of where you are in your life and going through that process. I actually, when I wrote the book, um, I meant it for, I wrote it for like uh, high school and college age girls. Um, It's it's, it's small, it's intentionally small. It fits in like inside your purse. Um, If you like on a ride or in an Uber or something like that, you can read it. It's a really short read. It's probably like maybe less than an hour read um it's 80 pages and it just goes through kind of identifying where you want to be and like literally being clear like no quit lying to yourself be clear and these are the steps that you need to take to get there and i wanted um to do first of all i wanted to always write a book anyway that was on my bucket list so i'm like oh this is the perfect time to write a book and so i, I went through that process and like i self-published you know, a lot of people are looking for publishers to like um, take them on. It doesn't, you know, who has time for that? Um, especially in today's society, today's world, just publish it yourself. And so I really just literally wrote the book. I think it took me maybe like three months to write the book in between like being a wife and my house and my dog and my friends and family and my businesses, you know. And so I would write the book like on the weekends or in the evenings and to develop so when, when you're writing you can just write right you can just find a hot mess and that's fine because you so editor right it's whatever because that's their job <laughs> to fix it so you write it and it sounds a mess and you send it to the editor and they're going to edit it for you right and make it make sense and then you basically get it sent back and then i found someone to make me a cover. She did an awesome job. She was in Germany. I'm going to use her again because I have another book coming out but next year. Um, but she did me a cover and I'm going to find someone to kind of do the inside. And the whole process was probably like three to six months. It wasn't that long. And I, I don't know. Some people like her that come to me, I'm like, hey, how did you, you know, how long did it take you to write three years or something? Like three years for 80 pages? Like, no. It was like three months. Get it together. Yeah. Like, what? What are you doing? So, I um, I recommend anybody to write a book. I think it just, just even writing that book opened up, you know, a couple of doors for me where people are like, hey, can you come talk to our girls here? You know, um, I even did one. It was crazy. After I wrote the book and I posted, this lady found me on Instagram and she was like, she was in Rhode Island. And she said, um, hey, would you be interested in talking to my co- my college? I have a group at college. She was a professor. And she was like, I have a group of girls. Would you um, mind talking to them? And so I was on Skype in Rhode Island, and they paid me for that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, and I was like for 30 minutes. Uh-huh. Talk about open up your own doors. I'm like, yeah. look, okay? 
And I'm all about creating your own wealth. So everybody has some type of skill or you have something that you can teach or you have something you can say that people are willing to pay you for, especially as women. And, you know, we need to do more of that instead of being stuck, you know, where you are, just kind of settling for what you have and actually just going outside, go outside (laughs) and do a little bit more, you know. (laughs) Agreed. So you're super inspiring to both of us. And we always love to hear, you know, the people who inspire us, who you're inspired by. So are there any like brands or influencers or small business people out there that you are currently being inspired by? Um, I'm always inspired by anything that Diddy says, almost. (laughs) (laughs) But he is uh, definitely good um motivator um i like tiffany the budget nista she inspires me to get my like finances together yeah i love her um i also am inspired by the uh gallery they always inspire me to get my home life together okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm looking around my apartment right now and i'm like i need to get my home life together actually amen amen Especially like I is there still a Z Gallery in Millennia? I don't think so anymore, right? I think they closed it. But when they're like half the things there. So. I know. What back when I first moved here, because I really didn't you know, I didn't have a house, I lived at home. So I was very much like I would go to Z Gallery because David worked nearby and I would look in it and I'd pick up things and I'd be like, One day I'll be able to afford a seventy five dollar vase. Um <laughs> those types of things. So I totally, yeah, Z Gallery was very fan. I don't know. I miss it now. I don't think this it's there anymore. I know um, I've kind of just, you know, defaulted to having, um, what's the other super rich people magazine? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There's so many, like, super rich people, like, places where you want your home to look like, and it's like, uh, no. Uh, I've resorted to all the other ones, and then, I, you know, when push comes to shove, I'll, I'll be at Ikea, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, you need to be careful because I started hanging out in Pottery Barn and before oh, I, yeah. it, I bought an $85 blanket and I'm yeah. like what do I need and it's like not even like a real like it's like a show blanket and right. I'm just like this was such a bad life choice like and then when I babysit my mom's dog like she always ends up just laying on it and I'm like get off of my $85 blanket <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, you got to be careful. I yeah. mean, unless you're in IKEA, because then you can live like a boss about it. Exactly. You feel like you're just balling out of control buying $5 bowls that are going to melt in two yeah. days. Yeah. Restoration <laughs> hardware. I'm like, I got my daughter some twinkle lights for her room um, because she's like, you know, oh, the dark is not my, she's not a fan right now. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to get some twinkle lights so I can live my best restoration hardware life in this like, yeah. you know, three-year-old's room. <laughs> Homes are ridiculous. We're ridiculous people, but yeah, Z Gallery for sure. And we'll put links to the Budgetista and Diddy. David is all about Diddy's tweets right now, so I get them yeah. all in my like Twitter inbox every morning. <laughs> They're always in my feed, always. Yep. <laughs> Somebody's retweeting yeah. Diddy at one yep. point. But yes, he's spitting some truth right now, so his Twitter is yeah. hot. So he, Yeah, he really is like right now. So I'm like, yeah. I, think I feel like nice. honestly, if anyone would know, it would be him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's just probably like a pile of money as we record this podcast like i wouldn't be surprised at all he's like wiping his eyes with like $100 bills when he needs to cry so if he ever does cuz i don't think he's he's cried since biggie died by the way i met him in Miami Beach and he was like the nicest person so i just like to throw that out there literally like the nicest 
That's fantastic. Yeah. Good, good, Ben. Yeah. That's good news, considering. I like. I, well, <laughs> I like when like nice people have money. Like I still feel like it's expensive, and you can have a little less or whatever. Get some me, whatever. But I'm just saying, at least he's really nice. Yeah. yeah. No, my goodness. Truth. So, Amber, what are you working on right now? You mentioned the second book, so that's cool. And what are some things that we should look forward to from you? Um, I am releasing my email coaching um, coming up uh, next month. So that's just a way for um, people to get in contact with me and work with me um, and not actually have to like take so much time out of their day to, you know, for us to go through things. So it's going to be email coaching, right? I'm going to try this out. I think it would be a, a good, a good idea since everybody is digital now. So we can try that. Um, and then I'll be opening up my marketing firm. Um, I'm at the end of the year, like all these things I'm going on, right? Like true entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Just open up, start that business, do this, write that book. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. As I'm asleep at nine o'clock because I'm so tired. Same, same, friend, same. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Amber, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We're super excited that you were here, and we're really excited for our listeners to hear your interview and get to learn more about you and what you're doing. And I'm so excited to read Girl Get It Together. Like that's actually moving up to like next thing on my list, especially because I'm like I have flights coming up soon, so I feel like it's gonna be like a perfect flight book. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Of course. Thank you. Thank you.